Hey, this is Brian Cohn from the Work For It podcast. Um, it's just a me and Ben show. Love these shows. Really, I'm looking forward to catching up with Ben because he's been gone for a while. But before we get into that, I want to talk about our sponsors and one other thing that is really poignant. So please go ahead and listen through this. Um, Maritime Knife Supply, they are the people, if you're looking for anything knife making related, go check out maritimeknifesupply.ca. That's where you're going to be able to find the stuff. First of all, you're getting a great deal because of the U.S. Canadian exchange rate if you happen to live in America. If you're in Canada, I mean, he's right there. You got you to gotta support him. Come on, he's right there. But yeah, he, he ships super quick. He's a great guy. Lawrence Lake, really great guy. So go check out Maritime Knife Supply. Also, if you're looking to really up your knife game or steel game in general, go check out Baker Forge and Tool. That's bakerforge.com. They have gorgeous stuff. Damascus, layered steels, you know, QMI, bronze my. It's the just the top, top, top end stuff. So please go ahead and check that stuff out. And while you're there, when you decide to pick up a billet, use WFI10 in the promo code. That's 10% off. That's money you're missing if you don't use it. So go ahead and use it. Also, thank you to the Patreon people. We really support, we really appreciate your support, and we do the after shows for you guys. So please go ahead and check us out over at patreon.com. Just look work, look for Work For It Podcast. Here's the special thing. So Bob Rankin, if you listened to the last episode, you know all about it, but I just want to make sure that you guys go over to his website, support him by buying that sticker, get in on that, on that raffle. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the last show. Um, it's, it's really good. It's a great thing to go and support him. He's going through some hell. So please help our guy, you know, Bob Rankin, appreciate you all. Let's get into the show. Woo! Ben, Hi. it's good to have you back. You just, you're like a jet Dude. setter right now. So what? Oh, Christ. Uh, how yeah. does it feel to be back in the U.S. on firm soil? It feels good to be back in the U.S. for sure. It, it kind of feels a little bit still like I'm a vagabond, but we're making it work. So here in PA right now, be here for, well, I don't know, 10 more days, I guess. We fly back 10? to Boise on the 29th. Nice, nice. So you're you're hanging out with family and friends. So how's, so first of all, yeah. you know, obviously it's good to be around family and friends. Were they with you on this giant trip you just went on? Yeah, we went. Um, so Christy's folks and her sister and family went on the, we, we went. Ireland. We were supposed to be in Ireland for like three, four days, but leaving here, there was a pretty good sized thunderstorm or something that was clipping through Boston. And so we ended up, um, that flight was canceled. Our flight from Pittsburgh to Boston was canceled. Oh, wow. And like they had canceled so many flights that we, we lost two days. Basically we were supposed to leave on Thursday, I think it was. It was a Thursday. And then we didn't end up leaving until Saturday. So we lost Oof, two days of the whole trip. Yeah, it kind of sucked, you know. So basically we landed in Dublin and got to spend the whole, like a full day in Dublin. And honestly, if, if you ever go to Ireland, don't, don't even bother with Dublin really opinion. yeah okay it's... before before we go into the nitty-gritty let's let's do like an overall you went from yeah. here to here to here to here so we went dublin we were there for like a day call it a day and a half and then hopped the plane from there over uh to glasgow scotland and then All we right. spent oh, i don't know what it was it was like six eight days in scotland kind of clipping around uh, two days in Glasgow and then we went to the Highlands the you know in Scotland sure so we were up around like Inverness and up where the fucking Loch Ness monster hangs out up there <laughs> Loch Ness and all that shit up there in the Highlands there's some fucking mountains in Scotland I, I didn't yeah. you know I'd been to Scotland but um, I went to Edinburgh or Edinburgh, I guess it's properly called. And uh, that was about as far north as we went the last time I was there. So it was cool to get up in the highlands. And then All right. we took a train from Edinburgh down to London. 
So about a four-hour train ride down to London and then finished in London for three, four days and then flew from London back here to the U.S. So pretty good nice. trip. That yeah. is, it sounds like, you know, obviously, you know, that's that's a really cool thing to do with your family. Yeah. Um, tell me about, you know, what was what was a moment where you're like, holy cow, when's the next time my kids are going to be able to see something like this? Yeah, probably, you know, probably, I well, there was a couple of those. So one would have been um, just like on the outskirts of Dublin, there's a um, prison. It's an old prison. And it was one of the first uh, prisons that it was like a reform prison back in the day. And so it was pretty new theory to have individual cells for individual prisoners and so okay. they were one of the first like reform prisons where the the goal was to sort of rehabilitate the the prisoner instead of just punish, right? But now so, if yep. I can interrupt for just a second, there are so many things to look at, you know, there's golf oh. courses, there's, you know, mountain ranges, there's so many different local shops. You're telling me you're looking at prisons? <laughs> Uh, prisons well yeah because what was cool about this prison so this thing housed you know all kinds of very very well-known uh prisoners and some of the prisoners that it held uh were basically these guys there was a big revolt back you know this is the thing that's cool about irish history is that there is a lot of it that is really recent relatively okay right like ireland didn't get its independence until till like w around world war one right so like our grandfathers uh or, you know would have been around to see when ireland got its independence right when wow. it became its own fucking country so this this prison housed uh four or five maybe it was a dozen i don't remember the exact number but prisoners that were ultimately executed for this uprising that they caused and that execution that series of executions is basically what ignited uh the irish people to uh revolt against the english and ultimately it's, it's what won them their their independence as a country right because wow the English executed these motherfuckers. Like one guy was so badly injured in the uprising that he was in a hospital for three or four days leading up to these executions. They literally, literally drug this fucking guy back to the prison, propped him up, like put a fucking stick under his goddamn chin and shot him in the fucking head. I mean, wow. this guy was already dead, right? And and they right. propped the son of a bitch up anyway and shot him. And it was sort of like the shot heard around the world, right? It, mm. uh, to over here. Uh, but just a really, really kind of a cool place, you know? And uh, had an amazing tour guide. So that was yeah. cool. I mean, everywhere you look over there, there's old shit, right? Like twice as old as our fucking country, you know? Right, right. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, pretty neat as well. We saw uh, some of the big battle, one of the big battlefields up in Scotland um, where the clansmen were battling against, you know, whomever it was, I think the English again. Um, I mean, it seems like that is uh, through, you like that, them fighting the English, you know, that, that uh, seems like it's happened them. a couple times. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not exactly think, a, I'm not a scholar no. or anything, but you know, that, well, that crazy. seems to have happened. And, and, and like, we, we kind of, we, we talked about that a lot over there, right? Like this country, at England is roughly the size of New York, right? Roughly the size of the state of New York here in the U.S., and at one point, they literally owned the entire fucking world, right? right like right. at one point, at name a country, damn near, and they owned it. All you know, so all this power uh, was held in England 
out of London, essentially. Um, and just really kind of neat. We talked a lot about that where it, it, you can notice a difference, a, a marked difference going from Ireland to Scotland and then finishing in London, right? You can tell that that city has been maintained by wealthy, uh, successful people for, you know, hundreds of, of years versus the other cities that just have not been maintained by wealthy fucking Englishmen for hundreds of years. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that if I am ever able to go on big trips, I really want to go over to those places that have been around yeah. for so long and really feel the history. Um, I really started getting that like need when I was working for the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, oh, yeah. down yeah. by Detroit. And it's oh, like yeah. there's there's Lincoln's chair that he was assassinated in. There's yeah. you know Rosa Parks bus. There's you know the Kennedy car that he was assassinated. There's a lot of assassination things there, but yeah. you know yeah, there, there's yeah. everywhere you look. You know I've I've talked about it before on the podcast where my whole thing is I would go do all the checks and then I would have a couple hours at the end of the night of, you know, I just work quick and I got everything done and I'm just right. wandering around. So when I was there, I would start at one side of the museum and I would just read every single plaque as you're going nice. through. And throughout the entire summer, I maybe got through a third of it. Oh, bet, man. There's just so many so things much. to appreciate. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. And you know, the the connection, like it gives you goosebumps if you're into it. You know, oh, I, it I really does. Yeah, I mean like some of the shit that you see, um, you know, we saw literally saw remains of a castle that was built in the thirteenth century. Right. You know, like seven seven plus hundred years ago. You know, yeah. you think, fuck, man. It, if half the shit that I build lasts 200 fucking years, I would be ecstatic. But this shit's 700 right. fucking years old. You know, it's like, wow, <laughs> just amazing. Um, yeah, just amazing stuff. That's actually a really good point where, you know, one of the things as a maker, um, yeah. you know, being into history and, and really enjoying that you start to almost, I don't know if it's a selfish thing or not, but you start to think like, okay, I'm working on this thing right now. It's taking me yeah. hours, but is this thing going to last yeah. 50 years, 60 years, a hundred years, 200 years? You Absolutely. know, that's, that's, and that's another thing that, you know, I also feel, sometimes I feel guilty charging as much as I do. Part of it is, you know, the time and the effort and the, yeah. you know, the hours and hours and hours that goes into perfecting whatever you're perfecting. But, yeah. you know, the other thing is when you're selling whatever you're making, if you built it to last, you know, think about how many, you know, cheap dollar store knives that they could go oh and use Lord. for a month. Yeah. Like if you go to the dollar store, buy a chef knife, it's going to realistically last you a month or two, maybe. Right. And it's then it's bad. trash. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're if they're using it over and over and over again, you know that cost will be offset by. I mean, maybe oh, that's 100%. an extreme. The dollar store knife, if it's only a dollar, well, you can go I, through a I shit ton of those. But yeah. you kind of understand but, what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, like the point. The point stands right. Like we we live in a very disposable world, you know, right. where um, outside of you know things like furniture and housing and windows and construction materials most things inside of a house uh, have a life cycle of at most a year right uh, even and, now like fridges if yeah. you get a modern fridge you're getting five six maybe ten years at the most yeah 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 a hundred percent i mean I, and so i think the the thought and i and i do it was interesting, like walking around some of these big fucking castles, right? And most of it's stonework. But then you start talking about when they made weapons and everything. You know, the blacksmith comes into play quite a bit over there. Sure. Um, I, I think a story that's not told very well or very often is the carpentry that went on way back in the fucking day. 
I yeah. mean, we saw this great hall, uh, it probably, I don't know, 50 foot wide by, I don't know, three to four, 500 feet long, you know, huge with 30 foot high ceiling. And the entire ceiling and roof structure is all made out of oak, solid wow. fucking oak, you know, and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's got gorgeous, uh, elaborate trusses with carvings in the beams and the rafters. And I'm thinking, tell me that fucking story. I want to know. I want to know a little bit more about the carpenter that built that fucking thing. You know, like the blacksmith making the weapons and the axes and the other things. That's cool. But man, there had to be some fucking carpenters around too. You know, just that's another thing being you being a woodworker, you know, nobody yeah. oohs and ahs over the, the common bench or the common no. table. Yeah, but yet, but yet that shit stands for six hundred years. It does. Yeah, and and it just I I took more pictures of just average things that most people would walk by just because oh man that's cool how they made that or oh look at that joinery or um, you know how they made just little molds and shit for making uh, ammunition out of lead you know ball. I don't know what the hell they call them, but, you know, two pieces of steel that go together and form balls uh, that you can shoot out of a musket or whatever the fuck it was back then. You know, just shit, shit like that, just cruising around like, fuck me. You know, you, you just, you don't see craftsmanship like that very often. We, here we cover everything up, right? Like all yeah. the, all the walls are drywalled and plastered and, uh, you know, all covered up. And that was just a luxury they, they couldn't afford to spend time on back then. So a lot of it right. was exposed. I saw the most incredible spiral staircases uh, in the Tower of London that were made out of these gigantic fucking blocks of wood that were probably 12 inches tall and almost like a wedge, like a, a wedge of cheese, you know? And okay. these things were just laid together on top of each other in such a way that they formed a spiral staircase. Oh, wow. So in other words, each step was a solid chunk of fucking wood, you know, sure. that was probably 400 pounds of fucking wood, you know, five foot long, wet, you know, and on the outer circumference the uh the outer diameter was probably i don't know six foot you know on the, the short end of the triangle out there just really um incredible in fact that i i had a text that i sent to you guys but it didn't come through somehow it got bounced back and i said i basically said people have been making shit you know like makers have been making shit for fucking centuries <laughs> you yeah. know like we think it's all like the new craze to be a maker or whatever like these motherfuckers they were making shit long before we ever dreamed of it you know and yeah proof, absolutely proof and to that's... me that like Every idea has been thought of, right? When you start seeing some <laughs> of that shit, like there is no fucking original anymore. <laughs> now, when you are when you are just talking about you know taking pictures of the common thing and the joinery and that type of situation, yeah. you know something that I would never think of because I'm not a woodworker. The reason why joinery was so popular back then. It, it is a difficult thing to do, but when you have to, you know, when nails are such a yeah. luxury, you oh, can't yeah. just nail things together. You don't have screws to put the shit together. Right. So Carpenter can make a wooden peg, you know, but that's as close as you get to a screw. <laughs> right. But, you know, you have to do those intricate joinery yeah. just so things stick together just with using wood. Yep. You know, that's, exactly. I mean, that's where dovetail, uh, you know, dovetails came from. You saw, I saw a ton of stuff that was mortise and tenon and then pegged with a wooden, you know, a couple of wooden dowel like pegs going through to hold the, the, the tenon in the mortise, that kind of shit. Um, just really, really neat from that perspective and, and a perspective that, uh, Christy and I were over there 
shit, 17 years ago for our honeymoon. <laughs> and I didn't quite have that same perspective then. You know, I wasn't looking at it from a craftsmanship standpoint the way I was this time. So it was kind of cool to go and, and see it, you know, from that perspective. But sure, impressive shit. I, it sounds like there are some really impressive things that you're able to see. Was yeah. there anything else that really stood out to you? I mean, you, you talked about the, the common benches and stuff and the, yeah. the spiral staircase. Was there anything that re you saw that really mm -hmm. tickled your, your maker mind? Yeah, you know, just I think in general, this the stonework, you know, so much of it is stone. Um, we went to outside of London. Well, we went and saw Stonehenge, um, which is just crazy uh, to see in person. But Stonehenge is so blocked off for tourists that you can't really get close. So we also went to uh, a site called Avebury. A V E B U R Y, and it is massive. It's probably five times the size of Stonehenge, and there are all these big ass stones arranged in different patterns. Circle, there's a circle of stones there that's probably three quarters of a mile across. I mean, Whoa. it's fucking massive. Uh, they haven't. But why though? I don't know. You know, that's the thing, man. Like, why the fuck did they build Stonehenge or why did they do this stone shit? So that was, that was pretty well, like. Stone, I hmm. feel, I feel like I remember reading that Stonehenge has a astrological thing where the, the sun lines up in the right spot at, at this day. And as, yeah, there's as some the sun that. moves on, you can tell what, what part of the year yeah. it is by where the sun is I lining think up someday at sunrise and sunset. We're going to find out, you know, like we were kind of joking with our boys, like. And, and I said, I think if you go to heaven, have, like TV in heaven is going to just be uh, history, but you can find out all the fucking secrets that you couldn't know when you were alive. <laughs> <laughs> so like you get on, the, the, you turn on the TV and it's like, oh, that's the fucking, that's how Lincoln died. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> well, we know how Lincoln died. That was pretty or, obvious. You know, how Nixon <laughs> stole all the money or whatever, you know. <laughs> you can see behind the scenes, you know. You can, like, change perspective. Like, I want to see from Lincoln's perspective, you know. Or I want to see uh, Custer's last stand or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's true. Oh, they didn't build the pyramids. They were just fucking formed that way, you know. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's I know that there is a lot of conspiracy theories around the pyramids. Oh but, man, you know, yeah, they, I think that's one right there. I've never heard they were just formed that way. It's a natural right? structure. Well, that's what <laughs> Sam and I, Sam, my my boy Sam and I said. I said, you know, everybody's tried to figure out how they built these fucking things. I said, maybe they were just underground for millions of years, just happened to you know form that way, and we all think it's like some magic hippie shit. <laughs> you know maybe they just now, uncovered and there they are um i don't you know it, that's <laughs> every theory is possible until proven right. otherwise however proven i think otherwise. that's one of the most outlandish ones i've ever heard yeah <laughs> yeah but anyway oh, yeah it was a, it was a good trip and you know towards the tail the tail end of it i was definitely getting itchy feet um i had before we left boise shit damn near a month ago now um i had crated up more or less half of my fucking workshop in a big uh, uh 48 by 40 inch pallet about six foot tall uh put a whole slew of my tools in there and uh my buddy my buddy um Help the freight truck get it on the truck. And so my tools were kind of making their way back east here. And um, literally the day we got back, the 12th of July, um, my tools had made it to Dubois, PA, which is about a half hour from here. So the day after we got back, I drove over and picked up a 937-pound crate of tools. So. Oh, jeez. So <laughs> I guess if you're only here for a couple weeks, why are you sending everything over here? Well, so 
So no, a number of reasons. One, I'm going to build pretty much everything for the Atlanta job here. Number one, it's a, a hell of a lot shorter drive from here to Atlanta than it is from Boise to Atlanta. Sure, that makes number, sense. Number two, um, the job's too big for me to do in my workshop anyway. And so I actually got connected with um, a family friend and actually a guy that I had worked with a little bit back through high school and college when I was working for a contractor in town. This guy has... Fuck, I don't even know how big it is. He has a massive workshop. It's probably, I'm guessing, 3,000 square feet or, or more. Okay. Um, it's a huge uh, workshop. This guy had a CNC router back in 1995. I mean, this guy is like an OG carpenter, finished carpenter, cabinet maker, just a master woodworker. And he offered for me to work out of his shop uh, to do this job in Atlanta. So I had that connection. Sure. And then um, a gal that used to work with my stepdad running the, the uh, organic Highland beef farm, her husband runs a sawmill that specializes in, in select cut, very specialty uh, lumber uh, for things like piano making and really a, a specialty industry. And he was able to get me all the wood that I needed um, so that I, you know, when I needed about, well, I needed 128 boards, 12 foot long, and a minimum of seven and a half inches wide. Sure. If I were to try to get that in Boise, I'd probably have to buy, you know, it's, a, it's about 1,100 board feet. I'd probably have to buy about six or 7,000 board feet just to get enough usable, you know, lumber out of that. So instead, uh, Horizon Wood Products is the name of the sawmill. Pete was able to get me exactly... 128 boards without a fucking knot in them to meet the wow. spec. Just gorgeous, gorgeous wood. So a lot of factors kind of came into play. I'll be here till the 29th, go back to Boise probably for a week or two, and then double back here um, to finish prepping for the Atlanta job. So, How much time do you have before you, you need to be heading to Atlanta? That seems like it should yeah. be coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, right now the the install date scheduled for September fourth, that week. Wow. So, wow. got a little over a month, you know. Yeah. Um. That's. So, yeah. it, are you starting to feel the stress of it? Like, do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I could tell. Start starting to, but it's so far good stress. You know, it's um, I can tell you a twelve foot board, a twelve foot board of ash. Seven and a half wide, you know, twelve foot long, three just over three quarter. I've been running it through the planer, so I had the sawmill rough mill it for me. So they have a they had a, a double straight line rip saw, and so basically they have two two blades running in parallel. You can set it to whatever width board you want, right? And it so Pete ripped both ends for me straight line and then brought it down to about seven eighths in thickness. And then I'm running it through the planer to bring it down to about three quarter. And man, it's a fucking workout muscling around 12 foot boards of ash all day running it through a planer. Yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I had spoken to you briefly over text, just kind of yeah. talking about those boards that we we're refinishing for the, we're, working yeah, on yes. the um, sunroom. Mm -hmm. So basically in the sunroom, everything is wood. And, you know, these gentlemen who lived here before, they like to put pretty much anywhere where they could put something on the wall, there was a hole uh, from putting something on the wall. Yeah. So we're basically tearing down a lot of the wood and trying to refinish what it's refinishable and replace what's replaceable. Yeah. So we bought some pine. And, you know, part of it is everything's stained in there. 
So oh, trying, trying to match, to, trying to match I, obviously I'm not going to tear down absolutely everything and restain the whole thing. Right. I really don't want to paint everything in there because I yeah. like that wood finish. Yeah. Um, where you flip it? So the problem is even with the flipping, there's holes that went all the way through. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of them are holes. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces and there's a couple pieces where it's just like, yeah, that needs that yeah. needs some work. Or there's yeah. one piece that had a big old crack in it. Yeah, let's just replace that. You know, we're already doing right. it. we're already here doing it. We might as well do it right. So we yeah. tore down a bunch of pieces and then used them as templates on new pieces. So uh -huh. you know, I was able to get some work. You know, me and Emily's father. He's he was actually a lumberjack for a long time. So nice. he is, and he's built a lot of decks, and he's you know very accomplished. Not yeah. necessarily like it's. His he's really good at like the rustic. Let's slap it together and it'll last a long ass time, you know, type of a right. deal, which kind of fits the whole vibe of that room, which is great, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with him and we're getting things cut to shape and we're we're getting pine and we're basically tearing down these really crappy boards and you know making making tap or using them as templates on the new ones and mm -hmm. you know working on that. However, um, so he leaves and Emily and I are trying to basically go to a bunch of different stores and try to find a matching stain. Oh, and boy. the problem is, you know, obviously it's the sunroom. So there's a lot right. of sun. So things are kind of naturally yellowy, yeah, you know, yeah. because wood as I'm sure it was some sort of a stain, but you can't match, you know, no, however no. many years of yeah. sun. And the sap so, right from the wood and the good news is though, it. if you get the good news is if you get close, a lot of times it'll mellow out over time and, and over time yeah. you'll get a match. It is tough if you don't know what they use though. It yeah, we have no idea. And basically we're going we went to Home Depot, we went to Menards, and we just basically took a little piece of wood and we're like, Okay, we're holding it up to a dump bunch of different and Let's try this <laughs> yeah. one. Take it home. Put it on. Hold them next to each other. That's not even close. Right. <laughs> Go back. So it's it's death by a... Th we've got probably, you know, 10 or... not Maybe not 10. We've got probably six or seven little tiny tester cans of these yep. damn things. I do think like Minwax or whatever the brand, the different brands, I think they should make just a little kit... Right, that you could do maybe a one inch by one inch square or something, just enough stain of every color they make. Right, yeah. sell that for fucking eight bucks. I would buy that all day long, you know, instead of buying now, each one of their cans. Yeah, luckily those cans, like we're we're using these little itty bitty cans, yeah. they're little yeah. tester cans, so they were only you know four bucks a piece. So it's not right. like we we sunk a hundred dollars or you know, however much yeah. you're trying to find. So basically come to find out, we had no idea. You can go into like sure and Williams yeah, and that's you true. can take them a piece. They'll put them in a machine and it will basically, you know, look and match colors. No shit. So, will they mix stains then for you? Supposedly that's something we're doing this afternoon. We're nice. going in there and talking to them and I allegedly it was stain, but well, it was Emily, pain. Emily went in um, and basically just talked to them, say like, "Hey, what's your deal?" They had a new guy that was covering the store, but he said, "Come back today because they have this old man guru who just is like the best nice. at matching and runs the machine because yeah. he's been doing it forever." So that's why we're coming back today to do it. Sweet. But, um, but anyway, so the conversation that we had it was all about finishing pine boards, and yeah. so. Basically, after after we had cut those pine boards down to size, you know, here I am trying to, you know, sand them up to, you know, mm -hmm. at least 220 to get it prepped. Well, I set up, um, I had my orbital sander and I was inside and Emily said, well, let me just go out and, you know, get things set up. And as I'm walking in, I'm hearing the orbital sander going like, oh, great, Emily's going. Come to find out, she didn't switch out the pad from the from the sixty grit or eighty grit or whatever was on it. So you know there were you know it's she had no idea. I probably should have switched it before I went inside, or you know that's not her fault. She didn't she didn't know. But there <laughs> so were a lot a, of 
He had a lot of a lot of uh, removal that didn't need to happen, huh? Yeah, and all around <laughs> like the the knots in the wood, like you know how there's yep. that chatoyance around oh, yeah. it. All of those like po- points where the wood, the grain of the wood, is, you know, <laughs> changes so dramatically. Those were right. all like torn out and shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> Again, she had no idea. There, there. Yeah. I didn't even know like that would happen. Yeah. So. Come to find out, Emily's dad also has a nice planer. It happens to be, oh, you know, perfect. You can point it right. all right down. And this is this is where the story comes back because you were talking about running yeah. planing boards. Um, so the fun thing about this planer is it is ancient, like not not like super old, but so right. old that you know the the blades inside of it were all screwed up. We tried to find, we tried, we went into all the stores in Mount Pleasant and we could not uh-huh. find replacement blades because it's so out of oh, date. Yeah. So, yeah, you then, probably you know, made, you know, right. So what I ended up doing, luckily I'm a knife maker. I can, I can sharpen right? that shit. So yeah. I spent, I mean, it took a while to grind all of the dents and dings and straighten things out, but. Bet, when yeah. we're done, I was really happy because when we were finished and we got them reinstalled and going, I mean, it was perfect. And I fully nice. expected, I fully expected like, hey, I'm trying. I mean, these things are over a foot long blades or maybe right. they're a foot long. Whatever they are, they're they're significantly longer than I expected. Yeah. And, you know, they're only here for a day. So I need to make this happen if, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to run this with the man who knows it best. So yeah. <laughs> while they, I was able to spend some time and get them straightened and true nice. and sharp. And yeah, it went that's, perfect. sometimes it's weird. Cause like if you sharpen them, right, then you'll end up where one's not exactly the same height as all the rest or, you know, sometimes it, it get, they get a little finicky, but it sounds like yeah. you got them dialed in. Yeah. Now the it, big it, thing is those segmented cutter heads with, you know, a, a, a hundred little uh, small cutters, carbide cutters versus one big long blade. But, That's what Emily's dad was telling me about is like he's he's been seeing these new ones where it looks like you open it up and it's just a, a you know, barrel that is just covered in all these little yep. itty bitty blades. Yeah. And that makes sense because if you chip a couple of them, you can just take out that little bit and put in yep. something cheap. And they've all got four sides too. You know, they're sharp on four sides. So you can just turn them to a fresh sharpened side and away you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah we're not, we're not that fancy around these. Parts. No, you know, and honestly, I don't know. Like I just picked up a new planer for this job because the planer I had was, well, it was kind of a piece of junk. And I and rather than and then the planer that Howie, the guy who shop them in, it was another one of those old ass planers that probably wouldn't have survived me, you know, running eleven hundred board feet of ash through it. So I said, Well, screw it. I ended up getting the lumber cheaper than I had bargained for on my quote. So I was already ahead of the game a little bit, so I just picked up a new planer to go for the job. And it's, man, it's leaving a nice, really nice finish. And it's just got three straight knives, which, and, you know, you get it dialed in well and you you don't have a problem. Are you getting that was my other snipe, like snipe being on the end, the both ends of the board? A lot of times you'll get a, like a divot cut out of it. I didn't notice any. Maybe I'm no, not. That's great. maybe it's the fact that I'm, you know, I'm I'm such a noob. I wouldn't know. No, what you'd for. see it. Um, it can be as much as an eighth inch more cut off on either end, where it's like three, four, three, two and a half to three inches in from the end on each side. It looks almost like, uh, like basically, what happens is you feed the board in and it tends to just burn, like chew into it initially and then flatten itself back out and level itself oh. back. So most planers have it. Uh, you can do a bunch of like, I, I built an actual, um, I built an actual bed for mine. So I've got eight foot of plywood and uh, in the middle sits my planer. 
and the plywood runs right through the planer. So my, my boards actually ride on the plywood uh, instead of the, the actual bed of the planer itself. So I built like a false okay. bed for it. And that what that does is that gives you lots of support on the in-feed and the out-feed, and it keeps your board perfectly flat and level as it goes through the planer. Whereas that makes sense because if you don't have that support across the length of the board, yeah, I mean, once it starts feeding, your tendency is to let go. And if you yeah. let go on a heavy, I mean, just the weight of the board itself is going to flex it down enough yep. to do that divot. Yeah, which is actually oh. the worst, uh, the worst case for a planer if the head is on the top, which most planers, this is the way they are. The actual cutting head is on top, right? And so you lower the cutting head to the board. And, and so the best way is actually to have the board lifted up. So you're forcing it against the roller that's just ahead of the blade. And the same goes that, for the outfit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I was I was watching Roger like a hawk when he was doing it. Because I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I know that he isn't the greatest at explaining what's going on. He just right. does he it. Right, just do, yeah. Right, so I was watching him. And the entire time he was holding it in as he's infeeding it at that yeah. awkward angle it looked like. And I was, I was thinking, like, why the hell? Like, what's yeah. going on here? There's a reason. And then as – because I was on the other side on the outfeed. And he said, you know, basically he would say when it's getting towards the end, he would say lift. And I would yeah. just kind of, like, lift it up a little bit. Yep, and that what that does is that exactly it forces – so in that in the head of that planer, there's a roller before the blade and a roller after the blade. Yep, yep, I remember and, seeing that. And those kind of push the board through, right? They, they right. roll and the board goes through. And so what you're doing when you lift it up is you're forcing it against that roller, and which then is forcing it against the knife more at a more even rate. If you flex it down, oh. basically you're lifting the board up in, in the middle, you know, so you're you're adding flex to it after that roller, and yeah, it's always better to lift up a bit. In fact, the planer I've got the Dewalt uh, 735, I think it is. It's like all kinds of woodworkers have it. It's a very popular planer. They sell extension beds, extension tables for either side of it, and they come by default raised up an eighth of an inch higher than the bed. Uh, like on the okay. far out end and that's exactly what they're doing there what i find is if i i don't add that raise to it i get really bad snipe so the first three inches will be as much as an eighth skinnier than the rest of the board so it's kind you of you know what planer from here on out, whenever whenever I'm working with Raj and we're doing something, I'm gonna do a debrief with you so you can tell me why yeah. he did the things that <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh. it's been cool too, like working with this guy Howie at, at his shop, right? I mean, this guy's been woodworking, you know, since I was a kid. He knows more shit, just little common things. It's so fun to pick his brain on shit. But sure. I gotta watch myself because, like. Half the day will be gone, you know, just bullshitting with Howie. <laughs> right, right. Learning a ton, but not getting any work done, you know. Speaking yeah. of learning a ton and possibly yeah. bullshitting a lot, um, yeah. something that I'm really looking forward to this weekend is the Great Lakes Rendezvous. So Ooh. it's basically it's a hammer in style event down oh, nice. in Wayland, Michigan, which happens to be right around a hour and a half two hour drive for me sweet so, is this where you, you guys know, did I'm the blacksmith able... demo before or see i've never i've never really been to any sort of hammering like this before okay yeah so nice. i mean i did that i did that thing in frankenmuth that fire arts okay. fest where there's yeah, a couple right. of us but that's a totally different you know feel yeah. where this is going to be centered around maker or knife makers and blacksmiths and we're going to be learning things and you're going to you know. be like fucking LARPers there and shit or? No, it's not that type of bullshit. <laughs> Come on, Ben. <laughs> well, you know, anything called a rendezvous, you got to kind of kind of wonder what's going on sure. there, you know. I'm really <laughs> excited because um, I know that I've been talking, and of course this could change, but 
Um, Matt Gentry said that he's going to be there. It should nice. be nice to see ball, him ball, again. Ball, ball, ball going to be down there? I don't know. I haven't heard from him. Maybe, maybe not. I guess I haven't really heard from him. But Bill Banky is going to be there. If you're a knife maker, you definitely know Bill Banky. Yeah, Jay name. Nielsen from Forge and Fire. Man. And then uh, Bob Rankin sounds like he is going to try to show up. So it'll be nice to a see him in person. true rendezvous. Yeah. And, of course, there's going to be so many other people. I just – those are the guys that I know. You know? Well, and Brian Cohn. I mean, that's oh, right there. Yeah, Brian Cohn's going to be there. <laughs> Get excited. <laughs> oh. Man, I'll tell you what, Goodness. this whole project, this crazy fucking project has me really starting to, to, to itch to get back into the Instagram game. Yeah? Yeah, Man, the problem it's... is I got no fucking internet in the shop I'm working in, so that's well, the you know, obstacle you... I got to overcome. You have your phone, you can take plenty of pictures and then post Not even any cell service in there. Yeah, but you can take pictures and have it in your, you know, yeah. your in your phone and yeah. then later you can post about them that's that's what i kind of been doing is shooting a bunch of footage and it's just so yeah. there's so much to this project it's like it would be a shame to not document it you know yeah i mean it's just been such a herculean effort in some ways you know now i definitely wouldn't suggest doing a youtube video style because yeah. that will just slow things down. Just do like the shoot from the hip, you know, show off what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, if I did anything like YouTube style, it would just to be like total vlog, minimal edit, um, even you know, then, voiceover. Even then, you're going to slow the whole process down tremendously. Yeah, I would do it after the fact, you know. Like, yeah. Shoot a bunch of shit. When I go back to Boise and half of my workshops back here. I could do a big edit session then. Um, sure. Because I won't have much of a shop to work out of. Half my shit's here. So I've been thinking about that. I've just been basically, you know, putting footage in the can for right now. Um, but there's just so much. And then it gets weird, you know. It's like, well, how do you just jump back in? You know? Yeah, yeah. How, where do I start? <laughs> um but I don't know. Part of me is like, fuck it, just start. You know, who cares if people don't have the Do you want what's really kind of funny? What's that? So um, you're at 1,017 posts. And yeah. like one – one especially when I first joined this podcast, I really – you know, your, your Instagram was so huge and it was – there's so many posts there. You have such a yeah. long backlog of things. And yeah. I'm like – I'm like maybe 10 posts behind of where you're at. I know. <laughs> Man, I, I, well, in all honesty, it's been close to nine months. I don't know when the last time I posted was. And, and if you look even further back than that, it, it was six months before that that I wasn't posting with any kind of seriousness, you know? Yeah. I really feel like once you get back to it, it's going to jump. It's going to feel like you're getting on a bike again. You know, I do too. Yeah. And I, like I was talking to my wife and you know, I said to jump back in, there are so many, I have so many thoughts on how I would do it differently and, um, to make it more sustainable. Sure. You know, the, well, the, the shoot it and post it in the same day thing with nothing in the bank. To me, sounds miserable. To, to now, go back to before that. before we go into this topic, this is going to be the topic for the after show: how to you know yeah. make effective posts and how what you should be thinking about and how it is that you can make it something that it's not a big burden to post three times right. a day. That's that's so. what I've I've been jamming on that in my head for. Probably two straight months on you know a system of sorts that will allow me to make it sustainable over the long term, but also allow me to put thought into what I'm posting. Because I and think today there isn't a whole lot of thought into what's posted from a lot of folks, from my perspective anyway. Well, let's go ahead and look at some really thoughtful posts that have been yeah. posted on hashtag WFI projects. 
And if you want to be featured on this podcast, just go ahead and do a still post, not a reel, not a video, a still post yep. on hashtag WFI projects. Just throw that hashtag in with your posts and we'll go ahead and see it. And we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Well, ben, do you want to do you want to start us off? I would, but my phone just died. So give me two seconds. No. OK, I'll start us off. So um, I've got Maximus Knives. He's a good buddy of mine. But he is doing a – yeah, Neil Warren over at Maximus Knives. You got to check out this giveaway knife because he's – you know, he's been growing. He actually is doing this giveaway because he just hit the 3,500 follower mark, which is awesome. Good I for him. I saw that. Congrats, man. But he's giving away this green-handled mamba. And this mamba knife is one that I actually saw while I was with him at Blade Show. Um Last year, we did basically um, have everybody over for a pre-Blade Show dinner. And it was just like simple stuff like tacos and whatever. But, you know, this year we did basically the same thing. But, you know, that involves a lot of, you know, chopping onions and peppers and tomatoes and all of that. All of the chopping for this year was all done on one of these mambas, which is amazing because it's like a little EDC knife. But, you know, it's just kind of cool to see him go and it worked really well so i am a big fan of the styling on it i'm a really big fan of the thoughtfulness when there's a lot of design aspects that he's put into this blade and i'm really like i'm into all of the little details that you wouldn't necessarily see at first glance but when you have it in hand you can feel all of those things so nice. yeah go check out maximus knives get in on this giveaway um i think it's just there's a couple different roles to it but yeah you guys will see that you know, go go check it out. Go check out my buddy Neil Warren, Maximus Knives. I can't see this is a problem. We're going on the computadore here, and all you can see are the damn top posts. Well, shit. I mean, roll with it. You know, um, you got this. When's this one from here? Let's see. Gnome Hammer Forge has a looks like a coal forge here. I don't know. This is two days ago, so not bad. He says, believe it or not, this was what I had to forge with in 2021. Not even a roof over my head to forge. You best believe I shoveled out a spot to set it up in the winter. The vast difference in my setups is mind-blowing. This shows what you can achieve when you get after it. So this is uh, just a simple coal uh coal forge here looks like it was a damn uh tool cart frame that he threw some fucking coal on and that's what he heated up his metal with so getting after yeah i've it. been i've been talking back and forth with that guy and he's he's a really cool dude for sure yeah seems he's seems uh he's way. a nice guy and if i remember correctly i believe he's pretty near to me i'll look that i'll look that up holton. after i he's talk about holton, this one holton michigan yeah, that's literally, I think it's like a 15, 20 minute drive for me. Like it's Get really after close. it, man. Yeah, we need to we need to collaborate on something. That'd be fun. Home hammer. Yeah, man. So I've got, you know, one of the guy another one of the guys that I saw at Blade Show. The art of craftsmanship. Dustin and Devin O'Hara, they're great guys. They also run a fantastic podcast. You should really check them out. They've been doing some great shows for a long time. And, you know, obviously, on top of all of that, you know, they've been doing their art of craftsmanship on YouTube. They're 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 one yeah. of the icons of making on YouTube. So I really appreciate those guys. Yes. But they're working on some masks, these little sh- not I believe it's called masks for um, for um, ha- or not hammer axe heads. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the sheath. Sheets. It's the thing that. Yep. Yeah. That's called a mask, right? When you're doing it for an axe. I think, yeah, I've heard that. I've definitely heard that. Well, he's got not only this single bit, like the one-sided axe, but a double bit, the two-sided axe that he's doing these masks for. But yeah, it looks like a pretty simple leather build, you know, very minimalistic, but it gets the job done and it looks really cool. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Like it. Oh, uh, Gnome Hammer. I'll look up to see just how far they're off. I got my phone fired up here. Let's see. WFI Projects. We have 13,600 posts. 
That's amazing. Incredible. Um, there's the giveaway for Maximus. A Copper Mascus Worry Stone from Stormlight Forge. Really cool looking stuff, man. It yeah, almost, those... Um, how does it get multicolored like that? Is that just the copper? What happens when it heats up? Or Yeah, so I've actually been talking to Stormlight a little bit. Um, where basically it's his version of, so he, he does a couple different acid etches and, mm -hmm. um, that's, he has a very specific ferric chloride mix okay. that I've, I've asked him about and ordered the, the, uh, parts to, obviously yeah. I'm a big fan of Gator Pest from Baker Forge, you know, that's well, the yeah. perfect Damascus, but I'm looking for like what, if I'm doing mono steel, which also does really well, but I'm looking for, you know, I, I've, I like what he's, yeah, what uh, Stormlight's doing. Too, so I want to, yeah. I want to have a couple different tools, you know, I'm, I'm not trying well, to shit on Baker, you, you know. might want deer piss instead of. Hey, maybe, maybe. Stormlight <laughs> piss. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he has a very specific ferric chloride combination. Okay. Yep. And he does these really deep etches. And also with that, you're looking at the copper one that has like the red into it. Yeah, it's got like pinkish. Yeah. Yep. So actually with that one, it's it's etched and then it's actually baked a little bit. I, I okay. There's a very specific. And if you go through Dennis Tyrell's videos, he did a hunting knife that has like that red copper nice. streak in yeah, it. Yeah, depending on the how the light hits it, there's green and, and pink and oh, it yeah. almost looks like an oil slick. Well, there's a specific, I believe there's specific temperatures you're supposed to put the knife in for mm -hmm. to get that. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Well, we're kind of getting close to the top of the hour. Is there anything yeah. else that you wanted to bring up about your your um, trip before we do a dad joke? No, I don't think. You know, just a, a good trip. Definitely good to be back. Good to be back getting into whatever kind of a rhythm or routine it is that I can get into, you know, with, I, it feels really strange ha having half your workshop here. Um, yeah, kind of, it's, it's like having one foot in and one foot out all the time, you know, <laughs> but yeah, settling in, it's good to be back. Good to be on the show again. And, uh, yeah, find a rhythm and, you know, freight train headed to September 4th at this point. But Nice. Nice. Just a couple days before my birthday. But oh, anyway, yeah. so um, going into the dad joke, while you're looking for a dad joke, maybe you just have one ready to go. But yeah, um, well, go ahead and figure that out. And while you're figuring that out, I want to remind you guys again, please go ahead and support our friend Bob Rankin. Yeah, go over to his dude. website. Go get that $25 sticker. I know, you know. It's it's gonna be this really huge thing. It's it's the sticker. It's gonna be like a big thing that you can put on your toolbox or wherever you're putting them. But also with that twenty five dollar sticker, you're supporting him. Basically, all of the cost about what happens, you know, with with the tragedy that happens. Yeah. There's some pretty huge costs that have come up, and this is going to help him. And also, you're getting in to possibly win these really really cool knives with some really historical things in them. So please. I just want to urge you guys, go help Bob Rankin over at his website. The link for that will be in the top of the description or, you know, however that works in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, the top link is going to be to that. So please yeah. go check that out or go over to Bob Rankin, Bob Rankin's website. Go figure that out. Go support him. Let's listen to a dad joke. Um, what did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? What did he say? Supplies! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All yep, right. Yep. Well, cool, man. Um, it's been really nice to have you back on the show. Dude, it's been good to be back. And we got, what, house on vacation for a couple weeks here. So it'll be you and I again next week. Hey, I'm into it. It's it's It just worked out just perfect. I love how that, you know, you, you butted... 
I, I appreciate you guys for planning that the way you did, right? Yeah, it worked out well. We planned so much, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. guys. So if you guys want to, we're about to go into the after show. If you want to check that out, go over to Patreon. Support us over there. Get in on the after show. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some cool things. New ways. Let's get over there, guys. social media sustainable. And as Brian House would say, you are going to be very surprised by what we yeah. have to say. I've got a top 10 things of what you can do, and number four will surprise you. <laughs> Woo! Bye. See you guys. Oh, yeah.